broken, afraid, abandoned, alone and unwanted. I felt forgotten and unneeded. But then the unexpected happened. I saw him. He looked at me. He spoke to me. He changed me. He set me free. He healed my hurt, broke my chains, freed my shame. This is my story. I am free, victorious, unashamed. But it's not just me. It's them. Sleeping in separate beds, living in separate houses, completely broken with no hope for the future. When we thought it was all over, God was just getting started. He put us back together, and we're here today by the grace of an almighty God. Don't tell me he's not able. Don't tell me he can't do it. He did it for me. He did it for us. He can do it for you. Separate, now together. Victims, now victors. Lost, now found. This is my story. I am whole, but it's not just me. It's her. I come from a broken home. By the time I was 15, I started using drugs. Eventually, I found myself homeless on the streets and prostituting as a means of survival. I almost died several times and I even tried taking my own life. And by the time I was 27, I had been incarcerated over 13 times. But you don't have to be physically homeless to be homeless. Maybe you're spiritually homeless, and maybe that's why you came. But I am standing here today to say, welcome home. You are not alone. I am standing here today. I am restored. I am redeemed. And I am set free. Lost, now saved. Broken, now redeemed. Hopeless, now made whole. This is my story. I have hope, but it is not just me. It's them. We tried and then tried again. The loss hurt more each time. Two babies in heaven, two broken hearts here. Our family in pieces. We thought we were done, but God, he wasn't. He healed us. He healed me. My body whole. Our family together. What we thought was broken, God said was beautiful. What we thought was death was just the beginning. We stand together, three children and one more on the way. It's the end. This is just your beginning. Hurt, now healed. Anxious, now peaceful. Broken, now beautiful. This is my story. This is our story. We found hope. But it's not just us. It's you. He did this for you. For your shame. For your pain. On that day, he climbed Calvary's rugged hill. The weight of the cross equaled the weight of my sin. He suffered. He bled. Arms stretch wide for you and I. The King of Kings crucified on the cross. The Prince of Peace in agony. Almighty God, Heaven's King. And in a loud voice, He declared, It is.
next to you and say, you look good. I know y'all dress right. You look good. Uh, your boy wore a jacket. I was expecting a little bit more than that. <laughs> Seriously, calm down. Uh, it, it took a lot to get me in this thing. I literally feel like somebody's choking me right now, but uh, I'm glad to be here. Easter at the Berry Center, you guys. I mean, wow, this place is crazy. It's awesome. It's big. It echoes. Hello. That's a lot. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and if it's your first time here, thanks for coming out. Uh, this is my beautiful wife, Jennifer, my better half. Y'all give her a hand. Aww, thank you, babe. Happy Easter, everybody. You look so good. We're so glad you guys are here. And I did this last night. I'm going to do it today. Where are my mamas at? I got to give a shout out to the mamas in the room. Guys, the struggle is real. And if you have little ones, we made it. You're here. You're in the seat. That is something to celebrate. Last night, it was funny. I said, you know, I got my kids dressed and they were all cute. And we got here to church and only one of them untucked his shirt and threw off his shoes immediately. So that's pretty good. I just saw Jack without his pants on. Stop it. Don't scare me. That's true. But, but this morning, this morning we got to church and everybody's doing pretty good. And we go to get out of the car and Jill goes, Mom, I forgot my shoes. I'm like, are you kidding me? But you know, you know the car that you're always griping at me about. Yes. Said, clean up your car. The, the plenty, family, the kid car. Shoes in that thing. There were shoes in the car. So come on, somebody. <laughs> the Lord provides. It is good. No, but we made it, and all I know it's a great day to celebrate our King, right? Amen. 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 I love you, baby girls. We're glad each and every one of you guys are here, uh, especially those of you who are here for the first time. Let's give them a great big hand. Glad you guys are with us. We typically don't meet in a, in a facility this big, but we actually we actually need this for Easter weekend because uh, all of our campuses are in portable environments and uh, soon to be uh, our, our uh, West Houston campus soon in the next little bit, we'll be moving into our silos property. Anybody fired up about that? Excited about that? 
but we will remain portable and continue to uh, launch portable campuses. And so on Easter weekend, we just don't have enough seats. And, uh, and so this provides us the opportunity for everybody to come together. And then uh, the next service will be crazy. There'll be people swinging from the rafters in here. Just be wild. And uh, last night, um, we had over 200 salvations last night. Can we give God glory for that? I love that, man. It fires me up. And I'm excited that all of you are here, especially those of you who don't do church. Um, maybe this is your first time to church. Um, I wore a jacket for you. I even wore a pin. I don't even know what that means, but somebody, somebody put it on there and I was like, okay, I'm going to say it's wings or something. I don't know what it is, but I'm trying to look, I'm trying to look sharp, but I still have my boots on. Come on, somebody. But I love Easter because it's almost like a family reunion. It's like the in-laws, the outlaws, people you're kin to that you wish you weren't kin to. You're like, oh, we're cousins. I don't think so. Everybody comes to church, people who've never been to church, people who marginally come to church, people who come every now and then. And then uh, and then there's people like me. Um, I was raised on a church pew. Um, my dad and mom are here. They're sitting right over there. And uh, you give them a hand. I love my mom and dad. My dad used to say, I, he's a pastor. He used to say, I believe you ought to be in church every time the doors are open. And we were. We were there every time. We opened the doors and we closed those same doors. I was raised in a very, uh, very strict conservative home um how many of you got spankings when you were kids just raise your hand let me see it. come on and you can't come somebody was excited somebody down here was like whoa all right that's why you're on the second row <laughs> 42 years old still scared your mama gonna beat you um <laughs> i never got a spanking my parents never spanked me um we didn't do spankings at our house we did whoopings that's a whole different animal it's the texas version of a spanking and I remember one time my brother and his wife are here, and I'm so glad that Jonathan and Natasha are here. And I, I remember whenever I, Jonathan and I had done something. I don't remember what we did, Mama, but we had done something, and we were in trouble. And, uh, and Mom looked at us, and she, I don't know if your Mama talks to you through clenched teeth, but my mother could say things through clenched teeth, and we understood everything. My friends had no idea what she was saying, but we understood. She said, get, you better get back there. You you look so mean. You were to get back there and get her. And so we would go back there and she said, I'll be back there in a minute to take care of you. And I knew that meant we were dead. Like it, it, care, that's not the right definition for that word. Like we were dead. And so we went back there and then she, and I, listen, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not book smart, but I'm smart. And so I knew when mama was mad, cry, like cry. And my brother wouldn't cry. She'd be like, you're in trouble. He'd be like, okay. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, mama. Because <laughs> I knew that she would take him first. I wanted her to wear that arm out a little bit. You know what I mean? Just wear it out just a little bit, mama. <laughs> so, so we went back there and he went in the room first and she wasn't even in there. She, she came in like 30 seconds later and she, she bent him over the bed and, and she applied the hand of knowledge to the seat of understanding. And, and, she, and she, she had a little, a little spoon or something. I don't remember what, what she was spanking him with. But when she hit him the first time, I'm standing outside the room. And she hit him the first time. He went, ah. Like that sounds like a wounded dog. Hit him again. This is terrible. Be strong, brother. I cracked the door. He wasn't even crying. Not a tear. Not even one tear. I was like, "You're so strong." Hit him again. She stopped. She was like, "Stop. This is not even hurting you, is it?" He went, "Nope." She said, "Why not?" My brother pulled a leather-bound Bible out of the back of his pants. He was saved by the Word of God at an early age. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so whether you were uh, saved by the Word of God at an early age, or this is your very first time at church, we're glad you're here. Let's give all of them a great big hand. Glad you're here. 
This weekend, we celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord. It's, it's the fact that Jesus rose from the dead that proves he is who he said he is. And it's what we celebrate. It, it's, the, it's the fact that he rose from the dead that buys salvation for all mankind. And I want to tell you a story that happened just before the resurrection. In fact, I want to talk to you about the man who stopped Jesus in his tracks. He stopped Jesus. You find it in the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 says, then they came to Jericho. Jesus is getting ready to roll out and he's going to head to Jerusalem for Holy Week. And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city on his way to the cross, a blind man, Bartimaeus, side note, great name for a kid. If you're looking for a name, there it is. Bartimaeus, don't do that to your son. He was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many of the church people rebuked him and told him to be quiet because sometimes we don't want you to look messy because it's embarrassing to the family. But he shouted all the more. I love this guy. Son of David, have mercy. And they're like, be quiet. He's like, ah! Just screaming louder. You ever tell your kid, if you don't be quiet right now, ah! says Bartimaeus, stubborn. And Jesus stopped. Everybody say, Jesus stopped. Turn to your neighbor and say, he stopped. That's two of the most powerful words in the scripture. That a blind beggar had the ability to stop Jesus in his tracks. And Jesus said, call him. So they called to the blind man. This is funny to me. The, the same people a while ago who were hating on him are now like, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Like, okay, I know who you really are though. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This weekend, here's what I want you to know. God has something for you. He has stopped and he has stopped for you. And he has an exchange for you, but you have to be willing to leave something behind. It's beauty for ashes. It's hope for hopelessness. It's healing for hurting, but you can't hold on to both. You've got to be willing and ready to release whatever you're hanging on to, whatever's stopping you, whatever's making you slow down and say, all right, God, I'm ready. Now, if you read this uh, scripture in Young's literal translation, you'll find a word here that we don't have uh, in the New International Version, and it's actually a part of the original uh, Greek text. Whenever he said, Rabbi, I want to see... The actual translation is, Rabbi, I want to see again, which tells us that at one point he'd been able to see. At one point, things were good. At one point, everything was kind of going the right way. You ever had that? Like it was, go it was good. And then all of a sudden, something fell apart. And now, and now his whole life has changed because of the failure of his eyesight. What do you do with failure? How do you handle the failure of a business? Like you thought it was going to go good and then pff, blows up in your face. Like you told everybody, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to be an entrepreneur and you're an entrepreneur nothing. Because it's just not working out. Or maybe the business is super successful and you haven't handled success well. Maybe you've been great at business and terrible at family. Or maybe, maybe you thought the marriage was going to go great and it's just not. 
and you watch romantic comedies and you're like, lies, because it's not showing up in your life. Or maybe you're just not where you thought you would be. How many of you guys are over the age of 30? Where are you at? Over the age of 30. Come on. All right, I'm going to ask you an honest question, okay? All right. How many of you, like, like, all right, I'm going to ask you, like, right now. How many of you right now, <laughs> this is going to take a lot of honesty, okay? How many of you right now are kind of not where you thought you would be? Just raise your hand. Not where you thought you would be. Okay, that's, like, super honest. Somebody back there went, whoa, <laughs> failure. <Yeah. laughs> Glad you're in church. I remember when I turned 31, I realized I'm not where I thought I'd be. You know, when you're in your 20s, you're, you're ambitious. You're like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to get two degrees. I'm going to get four degrees. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have so many degrees, they're going to call me Dr. Thermometer. I'm just going to be super smart. And you're on your 11th year of your bachelor's degree. Congratulations. You're doing a great job. It's taking you a little longer. Or maybe you said something like this. Whenever you had friends who had kids and they were terrible parents and they just, kids driving them crazy all the time. You're like, one of these days, I'm going to be a good parent. And then you have kids. You're like, if I just get them out of the house at 18, they alive. We, I'm going to call it a win. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do with, with failure when you plan and you want to know the where and you want to know the when and you want to know the how, but life hits you with uncertainty? This is what happens with Bartimaeus. When, when uncertainty hits, issues are a result. Now I have issues, and Bartimaeus has issues. Here's what's crazy to me. We call him blind Bartimaeus. We know his issue before we know his identity. And that's exactly what some of us are. We wear our, our issue before we even know who we are. Somebody, is it, you, might get some, you got some sunglasses right there? Can I borrow those? Thank you. Lady sunglasses. All right, I have a small head, so I, won't, I promise I won't stretch them out. Calm down, guys. <sighs> Chill out. This is exactly how some of us are walking through life. Issues on the outside, you can see it. You, you see what we're wearing before you even know who we are. And some of us have identified so much with our issue that people know us by our issue and not even our identity. And can I tell you this, this weekend, God wants to change that. He wants to take that issue away and restore the identity that he created you to be. But there's a few things you got to do. The first thing you got to do is you got to be real honest about your issues. You actually have to realize that you have issues. How many of you out here would say, I have some issues. Just raise your hand. You have some issues. Just raise your hand. I see, literally, I see people not raising their hands. Like, mm, glad you got issues. I don't have any issues. If you think you don't have any issues, that's your issue. You a liar. <laughs> you are not self-aware at all. Like, I have problems and I don't know it. <laughs> all of us have issues. And sometimes, sometimes we get so comfortable in those issues, we can shift from issue to issue. Bartimaeus has an issue. You and I have issues. Maybe in your closet of issues, you've got a, you got a really nice one. You have a designer issue. In fact, this, oh, we'll call it your churchy issue. Because you know when you need to cover up all the issues, you can act like you've got it all together. In fact, this weekend, you walked in and someone said, how you doing? You said, blessed and highly favored. The head and not the tail. Too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disjointed and disappointed. He's good all the time and all the time. Oh, Christians, I hear you. He doesn't answer email. He answers an email. Come on, somebody. Let's. <laughs> but you're just really good at covering up what's really going on. People say, how you doing? Fine. Where are you guys going? Fine. 
just robotic. Some of us, some of us, here's what's crazy to me. Some of us, we reach into the closet of our issues. I don't even know whose jacket this is. P90X, work for me. This is actually Duncan Dodd's jacket. Duncan, you have really long arms, man. And some of us are wearing issues that aren't even ours. You, you, you'll take on anybody's fight. You'll take on anybody's challenge. You'll fight with somebody on Instagram that you don't even know. You'll argue with people you don't even know. And you'll wear whatever issue is available for you to wear because it's an excuse not to realize who you really are and what you're really dealing with. And we, listen, we want to know you, but we can't know you because we don't really know who you are because you keep looking like somebody else to us. You keep wanting somebody else's calling. You keep wanting somebody else's marriage. You keep wanting somebody else's success. You keep wanting somebody else's dream. And that's not who God has called you to. Do you realize a desire for somebody else's life is an issue? And God has a hard time speaking to us sometimes because we want so bad to be somebody else. Some of us have other people's issues hanging in our closet. This is obviously not mine. It's my daughter's. And some of us have carried so many issues for so long that we've passed them on to our kids. And because we didn't win a battle that we were supposed to win, our kids are now having to fight something. How many of us would like to win a battle so that our kids don't have to fight the same thing? I want, I want to defeat this in my family. I don't want people to say that. Well, that's always in their family. I want to defeat it. Look, look at this. this. This is a good issue right here. This is a good, that's a good issue right there. It's a good issue. That's a church merch. We, uh, we sell merchandise at all of our campuses and all the proceeds go to missions. And the challenge is sometimes you have church issues. Maybe, maybe you're here for the first time because you don't like Christians. Can I just be, is it okay if I'm like super real here in this massive arena? I don't either. Because some of them are just mean. They're not, they're not real Christians. They're people who are wearing their issues on the outside and have not allowed God to heal them. We're supposed to share the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness and the faithfulness. Self-control. That's supposed to be part of our lives. And if you've been hurt by somebody in church, can I just tell you, I'm sorry. I hate that that happened. I'm so sorry that a pastor hurt you or a church leader hurt you. I'm so sorry that that happened. But please don't allow somebody's messed up, misconstrued idea of God to actually represent God. God loves you. Jesus cares for you. God sent his one and only son to die. But at some point, we got to get rid of the issues. And some of us, it's just a comfort issue. It's just, look, I'm just, I, listen, I just, I carry my issue because I'm comfortable in my issue. And at some point, you've got to be honest about your issue because if you're not honest about your issue you'll never do the next thing that Bartimaeus did and he simply cried out for help he cried out to Jesus he said Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me I have an issue at some point you got to cry out you need help turn to somebody next to you and say you need help <laughs> a lady right over here said you need help that's, it's not what you say, ma'am. It's how you say it. I need help. You were not designed to do life alone. That's why at Hope City, we have this whole plan for your life. We believe that God has called you to, to do something more than what you're doing right now. And we want to give you an avenue to do that. But we also know that you can't do life alone. 
Being alone is the first thing that God said wasn't good. He looked at Adam. Adam's by himself. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. He designed life to be done in groups. That's why we have more than 600 groups that meet all throughout our city. And I thank God for our groups because you need to be in a group. It's what will help get you set free. You, yes, you confess your sins to God, but the Bible also says confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. You wonder why you're still broken? Because you've never actually revealed an issue to anybody else in your life. At some point, you got to open up and reveal the issues and you got to begin to cry out to Jesus. Now, don't be surprised when you cry out to Jesus if people don't get in your way. Because this is exactly what happens to Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the church people are like, bruh, shh. We're going to go to church. I need you to look right. I need you to act right. I need you to dress right. And I need you to not act crazy, okay? You're embarrassing us. Listen, you're going to have haters in your life. It's just going to happen. Sometimes they're just going to come out of nowhere. In fact, isn't it weird that sometimes the people that are the closest to you become the ones that are the strongest opposition against you? You know, I, I've got five kids, and when my oldest daughters were young, uh, Jessie was getting in trouble, and, and she was doing something, and she was just defiant. And I, I was telling her, if you don't get over here, I was, I was you get over here right now. You get right now. I said, I'm going to count to three. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was going to count to three, guys. So last time I counted to three, I looked at her, I said, one, Jaden's standing right next to me. I said, one, Jaden said, two, three, spanker. <laughs> like, oh, let sisterly love continue. Listen, you're going to have people in your life. If you read Proverbs chapter six and four, it says, behold, the haters you have with you always. It doesn't actually say that. Some of you are like, really? But it's something like that. I mean, look it up. That's not, that's the new international Jeremy version is what that is. That's. You're going to have somebody who doesn't like you. Now, here's what's amazing. If you'll cry out to God, God will send you an advocate even in your loneliness. I love my mom and dad. And, and when, when we were little, they, they did everything that they could to provide a great home for us. And, and, and it was such a blessing. And I rem, I, the first house that I really remember living in was, was not a house. It was a trailer. Any trailer park people out there? Where you at trailer park? You ever lived in a trailer? Just raise your hand. Come on, we got to unite. These people with brick and mortar homes, they don't even know. Y'all don't know. You get mad at your neighbors, you just got to deal with it. I get mad at my neighbors, I'll hook a truck up and pull my whole house somewhere else. But like, bye, Felicia. Keep playing. I'll leave an empty lot sitting right next to you. We lived in this trailer, and there was a little ravine behind the trailer, and me and my brother and a little neighbor friend named Sammy would go down there, and we'd play in the mud. And, and one evening, we were playing in the mud, and the streetlights came on, so it was time to go home. And we came up to the trailer, and, and Dad put us in a little kiddie pool that we had under the trailer. Our trailer had a pool. He just pulled it out and then filled it up. And we got in there. He said, you can't go inside like that. And, and while we were sitting in the little pool, my Dad was in the house. Mom was in the house. All of a sudden, I get hit in the head with a mud clod, like a big mud clod that's launched from over the ravine. Well, bam And then my brother gets hit. And then like 30 mud clods come flying over. We're screaming. Dad comes out. And dad walks over to see what's going on. And when he gets to the top of the hill, there's Sammy and his 47-year-old daddy. What kind of... Here's what we did. We found out later. Sammy had thrown us under the bus. When he went home, his daddy, who dealt with an alcohol problem, looked at Sammy. He's like, where'd you get all that mud on you? And instead of saying, we were playing and having fun together. He's like, Jeremy and Jonathan threw mud on me. And he was like, by God, if they're going to throw mud on you, we're going to throw mud on them. Like, teach your kids, sir. Come on. So Sammy's loading and <laughs> giving his dad the ammunition. And his dad is launching it at us. And we were like five and seven. And my dad comes out. He's like, hey, my dad's a cowboy. He's about 5'8", 
but it's all power. Trust me, I tried him one time. Never again. I don't want to arm wrestle Pop. <laughs> he looks, he says, get up here. The guy's like, oh, I'll come up there right now. But my dad's a pastor, so he's a peacemaker. So he, he wasn't trying to fight the guy. He's just trying to stop the guy, make him think a little bit. Like, sir, you can't do this kind of thing. He's like, my God, you boys throw mud on me. My kid, we're going to throw mud on him, take him out. And all of a sudden, I heard the screen door slam. You know, screen doors on a trailer don't have a long life. You know what I mean? Like, like about three days, and then, boom, the spring breaks. And then you slam the door, and your mama's like, shut the door. You know, and the door opened, and on the porch, I saw what looked like my mother. But she released the most guttural animal sound. This anointed, powerful woman of God standing on the redwood deck, swinging an anointed, powerful baseball bat, screaming at this man, you mess with my boys, you're going to mess with me. I was like, ah, mama, come on. You don't want nothing to hurt. That, that drunk dude was like, hey, hey. Cops showed up. It was crazy. He took the guy to jail. My dad visited him. He gave his life to Christ. Great happy ending. It was awesome. But every now and then you need a screaming mama on the porch with a baseball bat, not trying to make peace with the enemy. Somebody who will fight for you. Somebody who will challenge you. Somebody who will help you. Somebody who will change you. I want you to notice what happens whenever, whenever Bartimaeus is crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The people are against him, but he cries out long enough. And guess what happens? The people who were against him become advocates. The people who were haters become helpers. Maybe God will use you if you'll keep crying out to change the environment that you're in. And the people around you who have been far from God, who have been against you, will become for you. At some point, you've got to realize, I just got to keep crying out. You just got to keep crying out to Jesus. And then Mark chapter 10, 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. I want you to know that God is calling you. He has a call on your life. At Hope City, we don't want you to just come to church. In fact, our, <laughs> our desire is not to build a crowd. It is not. Um, and I'm grateful for this great crowd we have here this morning, but it's not to build a crowd. Our desire is to build disciples. That's what Jesus told us to do. I can't save you, but it is my job to help you grow in your faith. I don't want you just to show up on the weekend and I'm glad you're here. And if that's where you are and you're just kind of showing up on the weekend and kicking the tires, man, welcome. I'm glad you're here. But there is this progressive growth that God has called you to. He's calling you. We desire for you to do four things. Our church is super simple. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose. And ultimately, we want you to make a difference. Here's how we know God. We know God on the weekends. We had over 200 people get introduced to Jesus last night. I think that's amazing. We know God. And then we want you to find freedom because I know a lot of, I know a lot of believers who are saved, but not set free. So we want you to be set free. And here's how we, here's how we achieve freedom. We achieve freedom in groups because sometimes you need somebody to come alongside you and help you get rid of all the stuff you're carrying. And then we want you to discover your purpose. We discover our purpose in what we call growth track because we want you to grow. That's why we call it growth track. It's pretty simple. It's a two-step process where you begin to discover the purpose that God has had and called for you. It's got a unique calling with your name on it. And ultimately, we want you to make a difference. Aren't you grateful for all of our amazing Dream Team volunteers serving all over this place? They've been served. We have people take off work, fired up. David Reed, one of our volunteers, lost his mom yesterday. Great man of God, powerful man of God. I called him yesterday morning. I said, David, man, I'm so sorry. His mom's in Scotland. I said, man, I'm so sorry. So when do you leave? He said, tomorrow morning. 
I said, well, man, we're praying for you. He goes, oh, I'll see you tonight. I was like, man, you're going through so much. I don't, you don't feel any pressure to come. He's like, no, no, no. I want to be a part of it. I want to see people get baptized. And last night, David Reed was in a baptismal tank baptizing people. Why? Why? When he's going through so much personal grief, here's why. Because he's found fulfillment in serving others. That's where you find fulfillment. And God is calling you. God's calling you. He calls to Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus comes. I want you to read Mark chapter 10, verse 50. The Bible says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. At some point, you got to release your issues. you got to throw your, co your coat. Turn to your neighbor and say, throw your coat. If you have a coat, don't actually throw it right now. It would be weird. But you got to throw it. This is the challenge that so many of us have. We want to do what God has called us to do. But I still want to. Look, I'm going to get rid of it. I'm not really going to throw it. I'm just going to kind of hang it back up. Just in case I ever want to come back to it. And, and instead of releasing the issues, we're saying, Jesus, I'm ready. Like, I'm coming. All right. Come on. I'm coming. I'm ready to follow you, Lord, at a very slow rate of speed. But at some point, you've got to realize all of that stuff is just going to drag you down. Get rid of the issues. Lay them at his feet and say, God, whatever you want for me, whatever you have designed for my life, I'm ready to go all in and do what you've called me to do. Let me speak to the people who only hear you only come once a year. First, man, I'm glad you're here. Let's give them a hand. Thank you for coming. What if you decided this weekend... No, no, listen, I, I know it's not the church that saves you. It's Jesus that saves you. In fact, you don't even have to have a relationship with the church. That's not what God calls us to. He calls us to have a relationship with Jesus. And can I further say this? If you don't like our church, that's okay. I'm not mad at you. But go get somewhere that you like. Get your roots sunk deep in a church. What are you saying? Okay, so here's, here's what I would say the benchmark for you is. Like, if you're brand new, I'm not saying like, hey, man, you need to come back. You need to come back every weekend. You need to come to every service. I'm just saying, listen, if you just come once a month, somewhere, your life would begin to change. And if you really go all in, you'll know God and you'll find freedom. You'll get in a group. You'll go through the growth track. I, I, I challenge everybody at our church. I say, just give me a year. We're very simple as a church. Just do those four things. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. Go through the growth track, get on the dream team and watch what God will do in a year. Guess what? Your life will not be perfect in a year. You won't be like, oh, it's all roses and butterflies. But you will say, I can't believe where I was and where I am now and what God has done in my life. I trust him. But you gotta be able to release the issues and finally jesus says in mark chapter 10 verse 52 go said jesus your faith has healed you he revealed his issue I'm, I'm blind and i need to see so the fourth thing that i want you to do is receive the promise and follow jesus he did not go back to the beggar's cloak do you know what the beggar's cloak was it was a specific color that told everybody that came in anywhere in proximity to him. That beggar's coat told them he's blind. The color told them he's blind and he's a beggar. It was his license to live the way that he lived. And he would lay his coat out every day and sit behind it and let people place alms there. And he didn't just drop it. He threw it away and followed Jesus. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do this weekend. Throw it away and follow Jesus. Musicians, you guys can play a little something if you don't mind. I remember the first time that I met Ty. 
It was about, Jennifer and I were talking about it. It was about 17 years ago, I think. About 17 years ago, maybe 18 years ago. I met Ty and, and I knew just this radiant smile. God had radically changed her life. And I was a youth pastor at the time and I got the opportunity to baptize her. This is 17 years ago, crazy. And I remember telling her at the time, listen, you gotta go all in. Like you gotta, you gotta leave it and you gotta go all in. That's your personality. You just gotta, you just gotta go, you just gotta go all in and trust God. And she did for a while. And then the pool of the issues and the old life, the challenges of family problems and moving and not getting super connected to the church. She got super connected to her issues, addictions, alcohol, drugs. And you know the, the spiral down from there. And over time, she found herself dealing with stuff that is too wild to even talk about. Didn't know what to do. But she found a church, Life Church in Oklahoma, Pastor Craig Rochelle. And at that church, God began to radically change her life and to remind her, hey, I've never left you. And then she moved to Houston and randomly on an Instagram post, she found Hope City. And she saw me and she was like, wait, that's, they're here. She came, but she didn't come by bouncing in and be like, hey, Jeremy, she, she just came in and started finding her place. I remember hearing about her like, hey, there's this girl and she's, she's really going all in. Her name is Ty. And I was like, awesome. And then I saw her and I was like, that's Tyler. I knew her as Tyler years ago. I baptized her. This is crazy. She went through growth track and she got in a group. She got in a freedom group specifically. And God, he had already saved her. But he, he radically began to set her free from an old way of thinking. And God changed her life. And now she's serving on the dream team. And she actually blessed you this weekend because you actually heard her story in the very beginning. Ty, I want you to come up here if you don't mind. I want everybody to see you and see what God has done in your life. It's been amazing to watch this happen. Can y'all give her a great big hand? Here's what I want you to know. If God did it for Ty, God can do it for you. You are not too far gone. You have not done too much. There's not too much sin that my God can't cover. Love you. Proud of you. Here's what I want you to know. The entire time that she was far from God, God was never far from her. He was right there. And he's right there with you. And he's waiting on you. He's already called to you. Will you call to him? Bow your heads for just a moment. I want to pray for you. And then, and then we're going to pray together. And then I'm going to have you stand. And when I have you stand, it's very important that you don't leave yet. I'll dismiss you all collectively, but I'd like for everybody, this next three minutes is a very solemn moment. I want us all to stay together, stay in here, and then I'll collectively dismiss us all together. But I want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each and every person under the sound of my voice. I pray that this weekend you would remind us that not only do you love us, you deeply care for us so much that you sent your one and only son to die on a cross, but not to stay there. To go to a tomb, but not to stay there. But to ar arise alive and victorious on a third day. So I pray that the gospel would sink deep into someone's heart right now. Here's the gospel. You're a sinner. And you cannot save yourself. The Bible says you were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. The word of God also says if we confess our sins... 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says this, if you acknowledge him, he will acknowledge you. When you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And there are many of us in this room that know Jesus is not in the priority place of my life, but I'd like to make that right. When you acknowledge him, the Bible says he will acknowledge you. And that's a decision between you and him. So with nobody looking around, if you know that's me, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to put your hand up. We're going to pray. And you say, I want to be included in that prayer. I'm going to ask you, just put your hand up. One, two, three. Put your hand, hands, 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 hands all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. I see, just hold them up. Hold them up high. Thank you. I see them. Now I want us to pray this prayer. And I want every voice, lift your voice and pray with me. Jesus, you're the only one who can save me. So I trust you in this moment to save me. Forgive me of all of my sins. Change me from the inside out. I trust you with my life. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him an ovation of worship. God, you're good. Listen, here's what I want you to do. On this Easter weekend, this might be a little weird for you, but I'm going to ask everybody to get your cell phones out. Just get your cell phones out if you don't mind. Nobody going anywhere yet. Just get your cell phones out. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to do that. Because it is God's job to save you, but it is my job to disciple you. Okay? So I'm not going to ask everybody to text in. But those of you who said yes to Jesus, we have a next step. And the reason I had everybody take their phones out is because sometimes it's embarrassing for people to do this. They, they're, they're a little embarrassed. They don't want people to see. So if everybody's got their phones out, some of you are checking Instagram right now. Chill out. When you, when you send a text, hope to 77453. I want you to text HOPE to 77453. Here's what we're going to do. If you said yes to Jesus, we're going to send you one link and we're never going to text you again. One link and it's just going to, it's going to have three pieces of information in it. It's going to have information about our groups, information about our growth track that I talked about that you can get in. It happens every weekend at every one of our campuses. And then we're going to give you a free membership to rightnowmedia.com where you can study the word of God at your own pace, at your own level via video on your phone, on your computer. Because we want God to grow you. We're not trying to grow a big church. We're trying to grow strong believers who disciples, disciple others and fulfill the Great Commission. And a part of that Great Commission is for you to be baptized. So this weekend, we're going to baptize hundreds of people. And I'm getting ready to give you an opportunity to do that right now. So nobody leaving yet. Will you please stand with me? And you're actually going to help me give the baptism appeal. I need everybody to help me count. Everybody say one. Come on, say it like you feel it. One. That's pretty strong. The first reason you need to be baptized is obviously because the word of God says that you need to be baptized. Paul commanded them to be baptized. Jesus was baptized. The disciples were baptized. In fact, baptism identifies you with Christ. A while ago, that salvation moment, that's between you and God. Baptism is a public declaration of a private decision. It's saying, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Galatians 3.27 says, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. That's powerful. Baptism identifies you. Listen, this is the reason why we do it in, uh, in water <clears throat> by immersion, because <clears throat> that's how they did it in the New Testament. But it also is very symbolic of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord. And when Jesus was baptized, his cousin John baptized him. It's, it's so awesome. John has no idea that Jesus is the Messiah. They're cousins until baptized, baptism. John is baptized and Jesus steps in the waters of baptism and John has a revelation. You're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, I know. Forgot to tell you, bro. And 
when John baptizes Jesus, when he comes out of the water, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and the voice of the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Identification happens in the water. And some of us have identified with such an old life that today, this weekend, Easter weekend, you need to re-identify with Jesus Christ. Identify your life with the one who saved you. Everybody say two. Second reason is there are no excuses. Well, I didn't come ready. I got my Easter outfit on. That's okay. We got everything for you. We got long shorts. We got t-shirts. We got underclothes. We got hair products. We got deodorant. We have private changing tents. There's no excuse why this weekend wouldn't be your weekend. And so in just a moment, here's what we're going to do. When we say three, everybody's going to start cheering. And here's what you're going to do. You're feeling it right now. We hadn't pre-planned this. I, I told the Lord, I said, God, I'm going to preach the gospel. And you move on people's hearts. And people are just going to step out. I believe that husbands are going to look at their wives and say, it's time. Let's identify with Christ. People are going to elbow their way out. Just say, excuse me, excuse me. I got to go. And you're going to come all the way down and just come down here to the front. And then our team is going to take you through that exit right over there and take you out. Expedite your exit uh, to the baptismal tanks. And we have uh, nine tanks all over this campus. So it'll go fast. The water's clean. We've circulated the water. Keep it clean. Chlorinated water. Burn your eyes a little bit. We'll give you some goggles. I'm playing. We can do that. But there's no excuse. And guess what? This is the greatest weekend that you could be baptized on to signify the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord. Are you ready? Everybody say three. Come on, let's give them a great big hand. Come out from wherever you are. Step out. Come on down here. Come on down. I love it. I love it. Come on down. I love it. I love watching this moment happen right here. Let's give them a great big hand. Just come on straight down to the front. Coming from all over the room right now. Here they come. Come on. If they're walking by you, high five. Come on, I see you. I love this moment. My favorite moment. Come on. Come on, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't be scared. Don't be nervous. This is celebration weekend. Just take them on that way. Just take them on that way. Which way are they going? I don't know which way they're going. You're going that way, guys. I'm just a pastor. Give them a great big hand. Which way are we going? That way? Alright, go this way. Alright, give him a great big hand. Hold up, keep coming. I love that. They're going to cheer. 